0: turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 5 through 17 of Luke chapter 1. But before we go there and read those precious words, I want to ask, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in the supernatural? You know we must, because that truly is where God is. There is a supernatural realm that literally flows all about us every day. While those words might sound a little bit New Age to you, it's not. It's right here in Scripture. We read those verses in Hebrews 12, and I'll read them again for us later. But the Lord wants you and me to believe in the supernatural because that's where He is, and that's where the angels are. That's where the souls of saints who have gone on before us, that's where they are. So let me read beginning in verse 5 of Luke 1. And I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version. Verse 5, Luke 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah. he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Here in these precious words, a very special story is being presented to us. One that's strange to much of our ordinary understanding, but is true in every detail. It's a story that reveals the beginning steps of the precious redemption of the souls of God's chosen people that He has in this plan that He uh, adopted long before the earth was ever created. Here He's giving us truths that are carefully fitted into the common and ordinary events of that current day. Truths that unless you and I listen to them carefully, we might lose some of their meaning within the reading of them. Now here, set within the matters of the daily life of this ordinary man who was a priest, God reveals to us that all of the next things that He's going to do, and there are going to be many, all of the next things that He will do will be coming from His own hand. Supernatural events carefully intertwined within the ordinary natural events of the people of that day. And God wants us to know about them. That would also be true for all of the many other events that would follow these that we read about here today. The special visits that the angel Gabriel pays when he visits not only here with Zechariah but also with Mary later on. And then the birth of John the Baptist and then also the miraculous conception of the Lord Jesus and then His death and His resurrection. None of those events were going to be left solely to the will and the behaviors of men every meticulous detail would be carefully put into place and carried out by the hand of God. And He made those plans before even the earth was created. I make this point because it's being made here in these words. But why? It's because God wants you and me to know with a certainty that while yes, mankind does have free will to do and to act in most any manner that man chooses, whether it be good or evil, And mankind will surely take part in most all of the plans that God has. But there are still parts that God will not leave to the uncertain will of men. Simply put, God is sovereign over all creation and He is intimately involved in all that takes place within this creation. And while man's free will is just... it is very important to God, there are many times that He will reach His hand in to the events and the circumstances of daily life as He's doing here. And He will providentially alter that which is natural and then bring about His plans and His purposes. And again, these events that we're reading about here today, they are some of those times. And over the coming weeks, we're going to study more and more about those events. As we said a moment ago, God wants you and me to know with a certainty that It has all come directly from His own hand as part of a designed plan put into place before man was ever created, long before the foundations of the earth were laid. Now a question that we asked in the message last week was, why did God Himself not just personally come down and do all the things that were needed to be done in providing the redemption of mankind? Jesus perhaps descending out of the clouds, walking the earth, performing miracles, giving the Bible to us fully written, and all those other many things that are necessary for our redemption. Why did He instead use men and angels as He's done here with Gabriel and Zacharias and then later with Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and on and on? Why does God seem always to use men and angels to carry out His work? Because He'll do that again at the, when Jesus goes back to heaven, He'll say, Go ye into all the world and preach this gospel. Make disciples of all men. Why does He use men and angels to carry out His work? Simply put, God doesn't explain why. But we know that He does. And He knows that's what's required of us. And so here, in these words, are an example of it. And in doing it that way, God allows those of us who truly desire to know Him as our Savior and Lord to clearly see that it is His divine hand that's bringing about every part of these miraculous works. What is it though that separates you and me out from the rest of the world that enables us to read these words that we're reading today and to actually see that God's divine hand is bringing all this about? What What is the difference that causes you and me to believe what we have just read about this angel and about Zacharias and the visit there from the angel and the instructions that he gave to Zacharias. There again, as in all good things from the Lord, is a gift that He gave directly to us. In this case, it's a gift of faith. It is by faith, through the eyes of faith, that you and I have the miraculous ability to see and to believe things that we would not otherwise be able to see and believe Things that others, those who do not believe in God, can't even imagine. Without faith, you and I would be like the rest of the world. Believing that all that we see and all that we are as people just happened over time. Evolving out of the earth and all those other foolish notions that are adopted by people who simply do not want to believe. But praise be to God, you and I, being saved by His blessed grace, we do have faith. And by faith we can read these words that we've just read and we can believe them. We can believe that the mysterious hand of God planned and was here in these words carrying out that plan. Using supernatural means within the hearts and minds of men and angels to bring about the blessed redemption of men. So then, here we read in these words, About this priest, Zacharias, going through his ordinary duties, carrying them out, and then something out of the ordinary took place. An angel, Gabriel, appears out of nowhere and he begins to tell Zacharias this prelude to the most wonderful story ever told. How Zacharias and his wife and their yet unborn son would be the beginning part of the story of the redemption and salvation of the souls of all those who would turn their hearts to God and believe. This very special angel, Gabriel, that God sent to talk to Zacharias about all these things, tells us here in these words that he enjoyed a very revered relationship with God. He was one of those elect angels. And he stood in the presence of God most of the time. And he enjoyed a eternal existence. And we know that because his ministry spanned eons of time. We see Him first as He ministers to Daniel in the book of Daniel. And then hundreds of years later, we see Him here with Zacharias and with Mary. Now folks, angels like Gabriel may never visit you and me. But God tells us here that angels do. And why does He tell us that? Again, I want to emphasize, He wants you and me to believe in this supernatural realm and the supernatural existence because that's where He is. That's where God is. God assures us that there are angels all about us and that they minister to us. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, He says, Are they the angels, not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? I love those words. God uses His angels to minister to all of those who will inherit salvation, those of us who have received Christ as our Savior. That is absolutely exciting to me. The angels are ministering to you and me right now at this very moment. They are here, ministering to our every need. And that's why Gabriel came to Zacharias, to Mary, to all the rest. He was doing God's will, ministering to God's people. And again, God has shown us all of this clearly in these words that you and I have before us that was taking place then and that is going to take place now. And it is by His own hand. Now a question. Would it help you and me in our belief and faith if we could see into that unseen realm and see a fearsome angel like Gabriel? I pondered that as I was preparing this message. It might seem so, but apparently not. As strange as it might seem, even if we saw the Lord Jesus Himself, it might not be the very best thing for our faith. And Jesus said that to His disciples on one occasion. He said, Because you have seen Me, you believe. Blessed are those. How much more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So then, seeing an angel or some other creature of the supernatural realm might be wonderful, but evidently it might not be the very best thing for our faith. You and I might someday be able to see an angel. But most likely it would be, as Hebrews 13 tells us, we entertain angels unawares. But with all that being said, it does seem to me to be the right thing for you and me to do, to take the time to ponder and to meditate on those unseen realms of God. I must tell you that it's an exciting thing for me to think about that and to even embrace the existence of that other realm that swirls about us all the time, to believe that those angels and, as I mentioned earlier, the souls of fellow believers who have gone on ahead of us, they're right here. They live and move and have their being in the realms all around us, though they are unseen. Which brings me to another reason why I believe that God would have us to know about the existence and the work of His angels. It's because He knows that it is really hard for you and me to get past believing in only the natural. We are so well trained in the natural that the supernatural is inconceivable to us. The natural world and its protagonists, the strong voices of the academics and the scientists, they have stamped this indelible belief upon our minds and our hearts that if we can't see something, if we can't feel it or in some way sense it through our natural senses, then it just does not exist. But folks, the Holy Spirit in these words and in others tells us continually that that's not so. But still, we've been so well trained by those clever thinkers of the natural world that we ourselves try to explain everything with a natural answer. These scriptures that we're reading here today clearly go beyond the natural and they demand that we not only believe but we embrace with open arms something that is unnatural, something that is supernatural. Now note here though that God does not try to build some clever argument to get you and me to believe in the supernatural things. He simply presents an angel, Gabriel, speaking in ordinary language to Zacharias. Now, Hollywood would have done it differently. We watch too many movies and we see too many presentations of angels. They would have presented Gabriel in all sorts of flashing lights and sound effects. But God simply here has Gabriel appear next to the altar of incense. There are times, by the way, when God does present Himself and His realm in a more dramatic fashion. Here God, in a matter of fact, way presents Gabriel. In a way that says to you and me, Supernatural is just as natural as natural. So I should believe it. I'm glad that God presented it in such a simple way. Now may I repeat myself and say again that in this matter of God using his angels to present his truth to the human world, that was nothing new. That was nothing new took place there with Zacharias. The same thing had been taking place all through the Old Testament. God tells us in the book of Galatians that He even gave the law and ministered the law through angels. He tells us in Galatians 3, He says it was appointed through angels by the hand of the mediator. That and other passages tell us that God used His angels to minister His law and His word to people all through the centuries. These scriptures tell us of of hundreds of incidents of where God used His angels to intervene in the lives of men. Recall that Abraham's servant was shown a wife for Isaac through an angel. Recall also that Jacob wrestled with an angel. And in the book of Revelation, we find that the Apostle John was instructed to write letters to the angel of the seven churches. And folks, that gives us a thought to ponder. Does God have a special angel that is assigned to this church. Again, I'm saying to you and me, God wants us to believe that the supernatural is just as natural as the natural. So I ask again, do you, would it be difficult for you to believe that God has assigned an angel to this church? Personally, I do believe so. And I also believe that from these scriptures that there are angels literally all around us every moment of every day. Let me read those verses that I mentioned to you earlier in Hebrews chapter 12 where the Lord tells us that we are right now living in what is called the city of the living God. The city of the living God. He says in verse 22 of Hebrews 12, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable number of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. Folks, God really wants you and me to know with a certainty that not only this event took place here with Gabriel speaking to Zacharias was real, but there is a whole supernatural realm swirling about us every moment of every day right at this minute this day. And though we might not be able to see them with our natural eyes, they are still as real and as present as you and I are. And until you and I are able to grasp and believe that all that's taking place, we will forever struggle with the actual existence of God. I'd like to say that again because it's so important. Until you and I are able to grasp, to embrace, to to truly believe that all of these things are taking place in the supernatural realm, you and I will have a struggle with actually believing in the existence of God because that's where He is. That's where God is. That's where He lives. In that supernatural realm. You know, the poets and songwriters, they write wonderful songs talking about how far heaven is up there. And it is. But it's also right here. It's also right here, all around us. You and I need to remember that faith itself demands that we believe in the unseen. That the unseen actually exists. It's part of that foundational definition of the word faith. Faith, listen, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So then, as we continue with this adventure into the study of the beginning days of the Lord Jesus... We're thankful that God has given us this special gift of faith to help us, to enable us to believe what is otherwise unbelievable and to be able to see that God's divine hand is guiding and orchestrating every step along the way. And I praise the Lord for that. Let's pray.